you and magnify you. We make you enormous in this place today. You are the biggest thing in our lives. Everything is very small in comparison. Everything shrinks in comparison to who you are. So we exalt you. We call you who you are, the greatest. We honor you. We love you. We bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So whenever you have cares, just compare them to how big your God is. Amen. And the cares will shrink uh, to their rightful place because nobody in your life is bigger than he is. Amen. He is the biggest. He's ginormous, humongous. Amen. And without end. And, and so God is, is there for us at all times. It's everlasting. Amen. Everlasting love. So um, we're going to continue talking about his enormous love that heals us. Amen. His love is so big, it consumes everything that is not like him. Amen. All we have to do is put God on the scene, and he begins to work in our situations. And he works it out for our good. Amen. I was reading, uh, <clears throat> just doing some a little research in the online and checking out some scriptures and stuff like that, just to read and see what so you know, secular people have to say about certain aspects about God. And so I was looking up the love of God and I saw on Wikipedia where it, they were saying, trying to define, um, what, what it means to talk about God's love. And they were saying that the scriptures have some, uh, they, they called it unbelievable or, um, uh, far-fetched ideas about what God's love, for instance, and they gave that scripture, all things working together for good to those that love God. And they said that's very extreme and far-fetched. And I thought, that's our God. Amen. And he means every word of it. Amen. It's like it was exaggerated. They couldn't really mean that like that. Amen. And we receive that scripture and we, we have confidence in it. And, and that's how you can go and live a life of faith because there's no penalty. Amen. He's working it out for our good. Every, every little and every big thing that happens works for us. Amen. Nobody else can assure us of that but him. You have to have a God who is all-powerful to assure that to you. And then you have faith for it and walk confidently through life knowing that he's working things out for your good. Amen. I think most people at the end of their lives, if they're Christians, nobody says they regret serving God. At least not in their right minds. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, and, and if people have regrets, it's because they didn't apply themselves. Because if you apply yourself, it works for your good. Amen. It all comes out to nothing but good. And so, because God is good and his goodness abides in us and, and it's a good thing. So, so praise God. Amen. It's enormous love. Enormous love. Amen. Consumes everything. Consumes us. That's a blessing. Amen. So, so God's love, um, the depth of his love is summed up in Christ. As people saw Jesus preach and teach and minister to people, serve people, 
they saw the love of God in action. And that's what God wanted for his people was to finally get the truth into their hearts and their minds about who he is. And when he sent his son, his son being his representative, the Bible says the son is the express image of the invisible God. Amen. So it's God's image was expressed in Jesus Christ. Amen. Just like a natural son and father. Amen. Uh, you know, Howard Jr. is the express image of his dad. Right, Poppy? That ain't nobody's kid but y'all. That's right. <laughs> Amen. And he got the uh, bills for the braces and the, everything else to prove it. Amen. So it's a good thing. And so God expresses himself through his people. So we, too, are the express image of the living God. Amen. We are his representatives. We are his ambassadors. We are his image here in the earth. That's why it's so important for us to obey him in all things, because we represent God down here. Don't ever forget that. Amen. Don't get slack and don't get intimidated by people who are around you and try to conform to the way they think you ought to be. Uh, be who God created you to be. Nothing more, nothing less, you know. You don't have to be a big deal anywhere, but you do have to be God's deal. Amen. Wherever you are. And so God, uh, Jesus then expressed the love of God the Father when he forgave people. That's an expression of the Father's desire to forgive everybody. You know, blanket forgiveness. Just that you would acknowledge and confess your sin, you are forgiven. Amen. You don't have to be anybody special. You don't have to go through any hoops, you know, or, or anything in particular. Uh, just your heartfelt confession of your remorse and your, your desire to be forgiven. And God forgives you. When Jesus healed people, that's God's desire to see us well. He's not the author of sickness. Sickness came from the broken law. It's kind of automatic. Amen. Whatever came of the curse came because comes because God's law is broken. But then God sent Jesus to fulfill the law. Amen. And then bring into to being a new covenant. Not that the law doesn't apply anymore, but there's such great grace applied to it. You know, God gives you time to learn. He gives you time to to develop your faith. He looks at the intent of your heart to do good. And and that's pretty much what he judges us on, is our intent to do good. You know, we can look at people and see a mess up every five things they do is messed up. But God's looking at their heart, you know. See, sin is missing the mark. The question is, what were you aiming for? Amen. Were you aiming for good or were you aiming for evil? See, if you're aiming for good, God gives you mercy. He'll show you the way to good. Amen. You know, it's like, look at him down there. It's like the first time I used to have Rachel. She seemed to want to be around, you know, when I cooked and stuff like that. And so I would give her eggs to, to break. I'd give her a separate bowl and, and you know, she bust eggs and put them in there, you know, until she got about six. We had as much shell as we had egg in that bowl. Amen. 
But we kept doing it. I didn't rebuke her and say, now look, you can't do this because you get shelled. I don't know what I put in there. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know if I could do any better. But we busted eggs and, and now we bust eggs real good. You know, I was saying that's why God looks at us. He sees your effort. He sees your heart. He sees you trying. Amen. And he helps those who are trying. And it's how it works out for your good. Amen. His love does that. Cause he so loves us. He so loves us. He's, he's there to help us. Everything he gives us is for our good. Amen. Whether he's correcting us or, or, um, you know, I would say redirecting us. Many times we're on a path, but it's a wrong one. He just corrects our walk. Amen. It's like if you saw your kid ha- headed over a cliff, you'd do everything you could to stop him. It's the same thing with God. Amen. He's a, he's a perfect father. And so he wants us to stay on the path. He wants us to stay on the right road. And that's why he will stop us sometimes and correct us and put us on the right road. Sometimes he'll just stop us, period. And we have to be patient and wait until he's ready for us to make the next step. Amen. I've been there many times. I was so sure it was time for this and time for that and trying to jump out without faith, without resources, without a safety net. And God would stop me and say, no, this isn't what I want for you right now. You know, let, let's get it clear. Get some, get a little more understanding, get a little more, uh, confidence in that kind of thing. So it's a good thing to have someone in your life who can keep you from making fatal mistakes keep you from making a uh, error in in investing in the wrong thing getting involved in the wrong thing and so there there are times when we need God's hand of of limit and his hand of correction love limits love has limits too it will put limits on your life amen because love wants to keep you in the in the zone of success and in the zone of prospering and doing well and and having it work out well for you so so God does all those things. His love does all those things. The Bible says also whom he loves, he chastens at times. Amen. Just like your parents did. You know, you missed a lot of whoopings. It wasn't because they didn't know you did wrong. It's just they felt like, you know, I'm going to pass on this one. They do so much stuff. You can't jump on them every five minutes. My goodness. Amen. So Parents have to kind of pick their battles after a while because they see some of these kids they birthed and go to the mat with them. Amen? <laughs> if they could. So God knows how to chasten us and, and, and show us, you know. In, in, uh, in the Psalms, David said it was good for me to be afflicted because that's how I learned your law. Uh-huh. You can't just memorize scripture and do everything right. (laughs) Where you learn is in the test where you're actually having to walk that scripture out. That's how you learn. Amen. So God knows what he's doing. His, His word is to be proven in the earth, but he always proves that his love is, is there for us. When we talk about God's covenant love, there are some similarities in his relationship with the church to a marriage. That's why we're referred to as the bride of Christ. Whether we're male or female, we are considered to be the bride. 
Why? Because this relationship is very similar to a marriage. We, right now, we are betrothed or engaged to Christ. Amen. When we go to heaven, we'll have the great wedding feast or we're raptured, we'll meet the Lord in the air and uh, be carried into the threshold, the Father's mansion that he has reserved for us. All of that will become a reality and it'll be an eternal reality. In our lives now, though, we receive what what is similar to what they call the bride's dowry. There's things laid up for us to prove that we've got a real relationship and a real marriage in the works. I see if y'all men don't say men, I'm going to get up and walk out of here and go over to the Y. I'm going to stay there all day. We're in a courtship with the Lord right now. As you brothers say, baby did, baby, baby let's this, baby let's that, baby mama get this for you, baby mama do that for you, baby mama we're in the baby, baby, baby stage right now. Huh? Everybody knows what that is. Huh? Where the woman, the bride, or, or us, the church, we request what it is that we desire from the Lord. And he, when he answers a prayer, that's a love token. That's just a token of his love. You hear what I said? I don't care how big the response is down here, how big the promise is. I don't care how much he gives you materially. It's merely a token. Little sample. Hey! I like this guy. Because there's no sense falling out with him about what he didn't get for you last time because you got more stored up in heaven. You hear me? This is not supposed to blow your mind down here. What's up there is what's going to blow your mind. Amen? So we're thankful for what we receive from God. See, this is why it's kind of silly to quibble with people about faith and what their faith is doing for them. And, and you know, you ought to have this and you ought to, well, you ought to too. I don't see yours. Huh? Or people try to argue about whose faith will do the most and whose faith does the, you know, got this with my faith and, you know, and putting their little cars on Facebook and all this kind of stuff and, and these are small things compared to what eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. So right now we're walking out proof of our love to him. Right now it's about us showing that we're devoted, that we love him, that we'll lay down our lives for him, that we'll do the thing that's necessary to do to prove our love. It's not about him proving what he has for us. He's got it already. He knows he's got it and we know he's got it. Amen. So the things we receive down here, I don't care if you've got a $50 million, a billion dollar ministry. It's a token. You got me? It's nothing compared to what God has in store for us. Amen. Now we can tell by the spirit because they're spiritually discerned to begin with, but we haven't seen it all. Amen. And on this side of glory, we won't see it all. 
So what we should have in our hearts is the promise that there is more in store for us, no matter how much you accumulate and acquire down here on earth. There's so much more in store for you later. Amen. So, so even if you have an earthly marriage, you know, what comes after the wedding is really what you get married for. Amen. Everybody check in with the amen. I didn't hear you. Y'all wondering where I'm going with this, huh? Alicia back here cutting her eyes over to get side. Give me the side eye. That little boy they got on, uh, who was on Instagram giving him a side eye? That little crazy boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> He was three years old, got the house control with his eyes. Oh, Lord. (laughs) But when people are seeking fulfillment, they look to find it in another soul. Amen. Everybody wants friends. You know, even if it's, you know, people that, that are just like you say women have girlfriends, men have man friends, all that kind of stuff. And then when, when you're seeking really to, make a, a commitment you look for somebody to marry amen we're just we're just seeing jesus in another form amen really seeking god you're seeking the ultimate in fulfillment but god has us walk things things out in natural ways and a marriage is a a means for god to teach us about his covenant of love with us amen that's why God says for us to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church sacrificially. Women, honor your husbands. Amen. And, and obey them when they're in charge of everything. You know, you should be glad you're not in charge of that whole household. Huh? A lot of you sisters can't even get the living room straight. And that's the easiest room. You can hide stuff forever under them couches. You get the right kind of furniture. You can, <laughs> you can pass for a clean house. Amen. Amen. Brothers know what they need to do. You don't need to tell a man to go, go out and work. He knows he got to do that. God tells him every day. Mm-hmm. Exhale, everybody. Quit holding your breath. I'm just reading my notes here, seeing where we need to go. Amen. God has a covenant of love with us. And what we need, only God can do. So God will give you a spouse, give you a marriage. But understand, that ain't the ultimate in your life. You know, you need him backing you up in the things related to all your relationships. Amen. Marriage is normal life for most people. It's not a big thing. I know when you get married, you feel like you're the only people in the world and you gaze into each other's eyes until Monday morning. Everybody got to go back to work and be normal again. It's, you know, where did the magic go? Right. So it's normal life. It's just normal life that God ordained for human beings. Amen. So, so God 
relates to us through covenant and he gives us the covenant of marriage to teach us something about our relationship with him. Number one, it's a devoted relationship. Married people are devoted to one another, or at least they commit to devote to one another. Amen. Nobody else comes in to take your husband or your wife's place. You don't look at anybody else. You don't desire anybody else. Amen. You do like Job did. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes. <laughs> I'll, I'll slap myself blind before I look at somebody else's wife. You see what I'm saying? And so and, and you have to do these things. You have to do uh, live to protect that covenant. And that's what God does with us. He protects his covenant with us. He will not allow another God to step in there and outdo him. Amen. No other God will ever be able to take his place because no other God will do what he does. And what God does lasts forever. You can serve the devil and and, and get high and in the next morning you got a hangover and you're sober and you're looking for him to get you high again. You got me? What God does lasts forever. Amen. You can do that anytime you want to. And get yourself just as pleasant in the spirit. I was going to say hi, but I'll take another. Huh? That'll straighten you out. You can do that anytime. You don't have to go out and pay for it. You don't have to ask nobody to pump you up in the spirit. You, you know, you just, just yield to him. He is your everything. If you let him, if you will let him be, he will show you who he is. So the God who keeps covenant will outlast and outdo all other gods. Amen. That's why people who have these addictions and, and, and have problems with things. Um, they they, they, what, what they get, that feeling that they get and that, that, um, you know, sometimes people are tense until they get a drink or they get some kind of drug or, you know, and then they get into gambling. You know, you ever been in a, in a, a, a convenience store where they buy lotto tickets? Then people will mow you down, getting up there and scratching them tickets off and buying them and buying rolls of them. I, I got, give me a 10. Now give me 20. And then they get all hyped up and they just scratching off and scratching off. I just move over to another register, you know, so y'all got this because I'm not here with this with you. But there's that drive that it's, it's not pleasant. They don't get any peace until they do whatever that demon is telling them to do. And then that wears off and the demon tell them, tells them to go do it again. Amen. But see what we have from God lasts forever. You don't have to keep bartering with him and keep paying him and keep, you know, all this kind of stuff. And don't get hooked up with these people. You send them an offering and get a word from them. You go read your Bible. Huh? It's the same demon. Amen. Just like them little palm reading people. If you don't keep bringing them money, you don't get any, any reading, you know, like you can't, can't think for yourself. Amen. So, so we have to realize that, that our God is much bigger, greater, powerful, everlasting, loving, kind, giving than any other force in the universe. 
There's all kinds of gods out here to get involved with. But he's the one true and living God, and he's the only one who is love. Amen? And so when we think about the love of God and think about everything that he's done for us, it's it's easy to believe that he wants us well, that he made provision for our health as well as our finances for our life for our uh, being born again, all of that. He's made provision for everything. So Isaiah 53 is where we get a covenant understanding of what the Messiah would come and do uh, in our place and how he restores us to health and to peace, makes our, our souls and our bodies at peace in this life. And we'll continue to do it over and over and over again. Why? Because the blood continues to speak health and mercy to us. Amen. As long as that blood is alive and talks, and it it is everlasting blood, it speaks the best for us. And it speaks the repair of our natural body. So in Isaiah 53, it says in verse 3, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. But surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And that that, that those two words really means pain and sicknesses, anything that afflicts or affects your body in a negative way. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for who? Our transgressions, not for his own. He was bruised for who our, see that's love, the giving aspect of love, not for his own, but for ours. In other words, there was no penalty to be extracted from him because of any mistakes he made. He gave his life for our mistakes only. And so it says he was wounded for our transgressions, our sins, the things we do wrong, breaking the law. He was bruised for our iniquities. That is the desire to sin that still lives in us, that can overtake us at any time. That's something that, that you get forgiven of. You know, I, you know, I've seen people do crazy things like backslide and leave the church because they couldn't stop sinning, couldn't stop either sleeping around or lying or something like that. And I'm thinking, just keep confessing. He was bruised for your iniquities. He knows that's still living in you. And he's made provision to forgive you for it. I'm so tired of going to God. Well, don't get tired. You need to rejoice. You can go to him. You know, you can have a bad thought run through your mind. But that doesn't make you guilty of doing anything. You know, if you think something and you don't act on it, you home free. You say, well, I beat the devil that time. That's one for me and and minus one for him. (laughs) Amen. But you're going to have desires and things trying to pop up in your life that you feel like they might get the better of you or you don't like them. You're ashamed of them. Don't get ashamed of stuff. Confess it. Keep it out in the open. Don't try to hide stuff from God. You can't hide anything from him anyway. And just let God know, God, I'm still doing this. 
I've been saved three, four, five years and I'm still doing this. I don't like doing this. He was wounded for your iniquities. He took a beating for that so you could be forgiven. Not so you can beat yourself up and feel guilty and feel like you're no good because you still make mistakes. Amen? What were you aiming for? You're aiming for living a good life with God. That's what most of us aim for the day we're saved. We want to obey God. We want to serve God. We're sick of the old life. And God knows that. So he's there to help us with it. Amen? But he's you can't get over some things on your own power. That's one of the mistakes people make. You need to confess it to God. I'm just so ashamed of it. Confess it anyway. That's when you need to confess, when you start feeling shame for stuff. Because that means you're trying to take control over it, trying to control it yourself. Don't ever be ashamed of what the devil's trying to put on you. That's not you doing that anyway. That's him. Amen? Give that back to him. Say, no, devil, I'm not taking your shame for this. I'm taking this to God and I'm getting free. I don't care if I'm only free for 10 minutes. (laughs) I'm going to be free. And then free for 20 the next time and free for 30 the next time. And keep confessing it. Amen. And you'll get totally free from it. Come in there trying to hide, pretend like you, just like everybody else in church. You don't want to be like me. (laughs) And I don't want to be like you. I'm trying to be the best me God has got for me to be. Huh? Lord have mercy. Amen. Never be ashamed. Amen. He took your shame. Let they, let the devil have his shame back. Amen. He bore our griefs, carried our sorrows, took everything that would put pressure on your mind. Amen. Everything that would make you sad, not of sorts. He took that. Amen. Gotta keep confessing it and let him have it. Amen. I get tired of confessing some stuff too, but hey, I'm, I glory in the cross. Amen. I'm thankful for that. Thankful that I can confess and get rid of it. Amen. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. Oh my goodness. He was beaten until you have peace with God that that thing is removed from you. In other words, you don't have to just confess your sins and keep feeling bad about them. He was beaten until you got peace in your soul that you're free. So your freedom was purchased, the freedom of your mind. Amen. Your peace of mind. And with his wounds, we are healed. He took wounds in our place. We don't have to have them at all. All we like sheep have gone astray. This, this, this pertains to everybody. Nobody is above this level of living. Amen. Don't ever think you're going to get so good at living for God. You don't need to confess anymore. It's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And the devil is a liar for saying it. Amen. It says all we like sheep have gone astray. Amen. If you're not a sheep, what are you? Everybody's turned their own way. 
That's what sin is, going your own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity. See, iniquity is what makes you go your own way. You desire something other than what God has for you. And he was wounded for that too. He took that too. So yeah, you're going to learn how to obey God. And you're going to learn how to enjoy obeying God. Amen? He was oppressed. He was afflicted and opened not his mouth. Because he wasn't being punished for his own sin. You don't need to defend something that you didn't do. Amen? So there was nothing. He didn't, he didn't defend himself because he had done no wrong. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So that's what he did for us. That's what his enormous love, part of what he did, purchased for us. He also relinquished his godly authority when he came down here to earth. And he lived just like a man who was submitted to God the Father. So everything that he did, the Father told him to do. He was obedient to the Father in all situations and at all times, just like he expects us to be obedient to the Father in all situations and at all times. So he took our pains, carried our sorrows. That's our healing. Our peace of mind, the chastisement of our peace was laid on him. That's our peace of mind. That's that's not only are you forgiven for your sins, but your mind feels cleansed like you never did anything wrong. You're not supposed to be plagued with a bad conscience anymore. Amen. Your conscience should be purged by his blood. Amen. Not thinking about, boy, if I had done this, I, this would have wound up better. And if I had to forget that, that's why Paul said this one thing I do, <laughs> this one thing <laughs> I do. Amen. Every day when he got up, this one thing he did, he forgot what went on the day before. And he looked forward to press to what was ahead. See, that's how you live. That's how you live successfully. You keep pressing on to what's before you and not living trying to correct your past mistakes. Uh You can't do that anyway. Sometimes we, we do things and we only see what we think we did wrong. But you don't know the collateral damage that your actions actually take. Thing you don't know. You know, they're generational things. They're things, you know, you see parents who, you know, they were on drugs and didn't take care of the kids right and all this kind of stuff and they don't see the other kids that were affected by their children and those children that you understand what I'm saying? So don't even get in the, the habit of trying to figure out what you did wrong and trying to fix it. We don't have a fix for anything. But you gotta trust that God fixes everything. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you know, there are people that, you know, we know we did wrong. We cheated so and so out of this and somebody out of that. You don't know the collateral damage that fallout from what you did. And you don't wanna know. That's why you take your forgiveness, you commit to do better, and you say, God preserve me from that kind of behavior in the future. 
and you forget what's behind and you press forward. Forward is where, where your sinless life is. Forward is where doing better is. It's not trying to fix what's broken behind you. Forward is, is where God wants you, is where you can do some good. Forward is going forth in righteousness. If you go forth and obey God in what you do, you'll have a much better track record than trying to go back and fix everything. It's good to be thankful. It's good to be understand what God's done for you and be thankful he's done it. But keep your your focus on what's ahead. That's where God is with you. That's that's where he wants you to go. Is what's ahead and do right going forward. You can't do right going forward if you're trying to fix what's gone on before. You're double-minded. You're going to stay single-focused. Well, sometimes I, I just feel like I should care more. And you do. But care in your now and in your future. Can't do anything about what's gone on in the past. Amen. Feel remorseful about it. Ask God to help you not to repeat it. That's the best you can do with most of this stuff. Amen. And let God take care of that. Whatever it is. Amen. No feeling bad about, you know, I... I suppose give somebody five dollars and I never paid them back. Well, repent and start paying your bills going forward. Amen. Just don't keep cutting up and owing people everything. Just, you know, just learn how to put it before, before you and let God help you with these things. We mess up because we don't trust God and don't rely on Him. Many of us didn't have God in our lives to even know we were doing wrong. So you can't, don't go digging up stuff up under the blood. That's blood covered already. Let that stuff go and let God take care of it and be thankful. Thanksgiving will take care of a lot of goofy thoughts that we have. Amen. Amen. So in, in Isaiah, when he looked at uh, Jesus and he looked at the cross, he saw that uh, the, the penalty for our sin was already accomplished. Amen. And and when Jesus came, he was able to walk that out in the natural realm where we were. He was able to demonstrate his great love and that he actually did give his life. It was not just a promise in the word anymore. It was an act. It was an actual fact. So the price was paid really before the foundation of the world. But everything God prophesies about himself has to be fulfilled. So his death at Calvary had to be fulfilled. It couldn't just be, I'm going to do this for you, and because I'm God, you take my word for it, and I never have to fulfill it. He has to fulfill all of his word. And so his death on Calvary was a fulfillment of Isaiah 53, 4, and and, uh, those scriptures. So even though when God gives his word for something, it's as good as done. Because he always fulfills his word. But we need to see him fulfilling his word so that we know that his word is true. Amen. In John 15 and verse. All of this is so good. If uh, in start in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. In other words, if you. Live out my word, meditate on my word, make it real on the inside of you and perform my word. 
that's when you ask what you will and it'll be done for you. God doesn't do um, things for people who talk carelessly or who are just trying to see if, if they can get something from him. You have to be a person of integrity where God can trust you to carry out his word before he will do things for you. You have to match him in some way. Amen. He said, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, much fruit, much fruit. This isn't witnessing to somebody once every six months. Well, okay. He wants us to bear much fruit. See, if you live in him and he lives in you, the bearing much fruit is automatic. You know, you kind of like wherever you go, you're fruity. (laughs) It says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. So continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Well, okay. How do I show my love for him? Keeping his word, doing what he tells you to do. And once you've done them two, two or three scriptures, find some more to do. Amen. Keep doing his will. He says, even as I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy would remain in you and that your joy might be full. So there's some things that Jesus provides for us that ensure that we will live in his joy. And one of them is obeying his commandments. He said, if you keep them, you will abide in me and I abide in you. And the reason I want you to keep my word is so you can be full of joy. Why is joy important? Well, number one, it keeps the devil from running over you. If the devil does something to make you angry and you laugh anyway, you think he's going to keep trying it? Now think about it. Joy is, is the, the celebration of your victory. That's, that's the fruit of the spirit that pops the cork on your victory is joy. When you have that, when you pray and you know you've reached that answer with, with, with God and in God, you have a note of victory in you. You have the joy of God in you. You don't keep brooding over how am I going to do this and when is this going to happen and this hasn't happened yet and all that. You haven't gotten an answer from God yet if that's where you are. I mean, is I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. You know, if it's shady where you are, it's just, that's just shade. That's all, but it ain't coming from me. You understand what I'm saying? But we don't stay with something until we get God's answer is why we don't have joy. You you should have joy and rejoicing about everything in your life because you have his answer already. He said he's going to take care of you. He'll take care of you. Believe it. You should rejoice over that. You shouldn't be sitting up wondering, I wonder when it's a wonder, wonder, wonder. No, you stay on your face until you get joy. This is the truth. Cause it's there for you. This, you got, 
righteousness because you confessed your sins. You have the love of God because you know that he's promised you everything that pertains to life and godliness. How much more love can you take? You have peace because it's settled already. It's If you've got righteousness, there's no stopping you from getting anything. Righteousness is above the law. Amen? Because it came with faith. All you got to do is apply yourself to believing God that what he says to you is true. He has it for you already. You know why you don't have it? Brooding, angry, meditating on what somebody did wrong to you and how it's never going to happen and all that. Where's your joy? You're sitting on it. You're refusing to let it come forth because you'd rather feel sorry for yourself one more day. Amen? You can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. you got to choose who you are. Amen? I'd rather be, be victorious any day and keep the devil. A lot of this stuff we do in rebuking the devil, if you stayed in joy, he'd rebuke himself. Huh? He slapped himself for trying to mess with you. (laughs) We have to abide in him. He's provided all of that for us. Amen. He says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and I live in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you. In other words, nobody can take it away. Your circumstances cannot take it away. And that your joy would be full. That means you're joyful all the time. Fullness of joy means you have joy overflowing and it doesn't leave you because of circumstances. Amen. He said that you, this is my commandment that you love one another. As I have loved you. Really? (laughs) Her? Him? They don't know what they did to me, God. I caught them whispering about me behind my back. They weren't whispering about you. Prove it. See, the devil will make a suspect out of anybody. He sees you loving people and putting forth the effort to obey God. Of course he's going to try and stop it. Tell you anything. He says, greater love have no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Hmm. And you are my friends if you do whatever I command you to do. Whatsoever. God demands it. And he's a right to demand it. Why? Because he first loved us. See, he knows we have his love in us. We're just refusing to shed it out toward people. We keep it bottled up and locked up. Keep it bottled up and locked up. That's why he demands we release it. That is the only force in the earth that is bigger than everything else. Your faith has to work by love. 
your faith is weak by it. So all the other fruit and spiritual forces are weak until love shows up. Amen. Because if we refuse to love, the world will never know who God is. Forget trying to give some stranger a prophecy. Learn how to love people. Learn how to love the people in your own surroundings. Love your bosses, your co-workers, everybody. Learn how to love those people. And I mean really love them. And the world can tell the difference. They they put a Christian to the test every time. Amen. <laughs> so this is why we're here. We're learning to love. That's That's your primary mission in life. Not put yourself above anybody else. Prefer them ahead of you. Make sure they're comfortable, taken care of, they're provided for. You understand what I'm saying? James said if if you you know say you you love people and you know in your faith you say you believe God and tell your brother or sister that you see without anything, oh just bless you, be warm, be filled. And don't do anything to help them. What good have you done them? We gotta, we, we're here to alleviate human suffering. This is what the love of God is for. It takes care of hurting, suffering people. Well, I'm hurting myself. That's because you nurse your hurts instead of nursing the love of God. How do you nurse? And you won't heal yourself by nursing your wounds. Huh? That's not how that happens. You know how you heal yourself? By loving people. Because the love then begins to flow out of you into somebody else. See, as long as you're letting the love flow, you're being healed. That's that's how love works. Amen? It works through us. Whatever comes through you permeates you first and then goes out to others. It doesn't skip you. Y'all know it's true. I was, I was down and out until I came to church and I got in the spirit and I started and I shook hands with sister so and so and I was able to bless her. God told me to bless her and, and you came in with your head hung low and left up with, with your head high. Cause why? You let the love of God flow through you. You weren't intending to. The Holy Ghost has a way of leading us into those things. Amen. You forgot about yourself. Forgot about what you were going through and what you needed, what you don't have and what you wish you had. And you start loving. Hmm, must be something to this love thing. Maybe if we lived like this all the time, we would have so few problems. They would be resolved so quickly because we're not nursing them. When you nurse something, you take care of it like it's a little baby. You pick it up every time you feel like you need something and you start thinking about it and I never have anybody and never have anything. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. 
when you could be abiding in his love, letting his love work for you and heal you and help you. Hmm? So John says, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. He says, hereforth I call you not merely servants, for a servant knows not what his Lord doing is doing, but I have called you friends. So we are friends and servants, folks. Don't get it twisted. You know, people who are afraid to serve is something wrong with their love. If that, if this turns you off that you're a servant of God and a servant of humanity, there's something wrong with the way you understand the love of God. Because if you can look at the cross and say you're not willing to do that for somebody else, lay down your life and serve, there's something wrong with you too. Your heart is hardened. There's something wrong there. If you can't look at what Jesus did and say, I'll never have to do that really for another person, but God let me do that symbolically or that in the natural or that in some way to show you that I get it, that I know what your love means. I know there are people in my life and my surroundings who need me not to be concerned about myself sometimes. They need me to be concerned about them. They need me to want to pray for them. They need me to dig in my pocket to help them. They need me to, you understand what I'm saying? There's so much to do for God. So much to do. And so few laborers. Learn how a laborer is a servant. Amen. You're no friend of God if you won't obey him. Are you kidding me? You want to do certain things and don't want to do, and you resent that word? Something wrong with you. You understand what I'm saying? Because he so loved, he served. Amen? When you when you serve, you give. And you give in an unlimited fashion. You're not afraid to give. Amen? He says, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you. I've ordered you that you should go out and bring forth fruit, and it should be everlasting fruit. In other words, it should pass the eternity test. It should have my mark on it. It has my brand on it. Whatever you do for me in my name must have my brand on it. So God so loved the world that he gave himself for our wrongdoing. When we were so wrong, he gave everything. So a faithful creator will do this. God has proven himself faithful for us to the end. Amen. Proverbs ten twelve tells us that love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. Proverbs 10. You know, people get married and your love gets tested and you don't like it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So what do, what do people do? They automatically go and start blabbing what the other person did wrong. Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up strife. Ooh, okay. Well, that tells me a lot right there. 
but love covers all sins. Amen. What does that mean? Love wants to forgive everything. Amen. Love endeavors to forgive everything. I always tell people, you know, people want to come and complain about so-and-so didn't like them. And, you know, that indicts you right off the bat. You know, I tell people, I said, don't come in here angry. My office, you don't get in here angry. Ow, Pastor Barb, you're supposed to be loving and kind and understanding. That I don't understand. Because if somebody offended you, the Bible's real clear about what you should do. You're to forgive them. If you forgive people, you're not mad at them. You're not off the chain and can't wait to get in there and slam the door behind you and tell you me somebody did you wrong and in the church. So I know who's at fault right there. You indict yourself. See, a lot of times we're not mature enough in the love that we handle to be able to go to the next step in resolving things with people. You don't get anywhere in God's throne room being mad at somebody. You have to forgive them first. And you ask God to forgive them for thinking ill about his creation. You understand me? You you got a lot of stuff to do before you can get something resolved. And then I don't want to hear about you not liking somebody. You know, I mean, who wants to hear that? I don't want to hear what somebody did wrong to you, and I'm not calling them in there in here to talk to you about it, kindergartner. Hmm? Now, we got to get beyond that, folks. We got to start doing our own obedience to the word. Many times people come in with a chip on their shoulder waiting for somebody to rub them the wrong way. Amen? So we got to live higher than that. Jesus is talking about loving people. He's not talking about indicting people for nothing. But you see married people want to go tell somebody how bad the spouse is. Hmm? And you too are one flesh. So if he bad, you bad. Ooh. Ooh. But, but see, you don't understand. Oh yeah, I understand perfectly, devil. See, we can't do this. We can't live like this. We can't live Facebook Christianity and have kingdom results. Where you get on there and read all this stuff about cutting people out of your life. You're going to be by yourself. And then you'll be a sad person. You cut all the, cut all the people out you think ain't supposed to be in there. And what makes your life so perfect? Everybody trying to get next to you. I like that poppy, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> Amen. Need to check your hatred. That's, that's hate right there. You want to cut somebody out your life? Man, I'm trying to make friends. Jesus said to love people. That means you want them to be your friend. 
You're not looking to hate nobody and cut nobody. I had to cut them out my life. Be careful cutting people. You'll get cut yourself. As you sow, you reap. But see, when it says love covers all things, it means it covers with the blood of Jesus through forgiveness. You're not covering up somebody's wrong or trying to pretend. Stop being stupid. It means you forgive them. They're covered by his blood. They're covered by his atonement. And that's what love does. It forgives over and over and over again. It's like Peter said, well, how many times do I have to forgive my <laughs> I like Peter because he always told on himself. And see, he asked the right questions for people like us. Huh? Jesus, he said seven times. He said, no, nah, 70 times seven. Peter said nothing else about that from that day forward. Amen. And that means Jesus said, I forgive you and I don't put a limit on it. Amen. He expects us to give, forgive people and not put a limit on it. Amen. Just keep forgiving. He wants us to keep the love flowing. If you don't forgive people, you dam up the well of love in you. And you don't get anything, no benefit of it. You get dried up and angry and hateful. And everything that you touch will be the same way. And so he wants us to keep love flowing through us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will will move in us and, and quench that anger and quench that hatred and, and put a damper on the flame that's trying to flare up in us. Amen. He does that. I I remember when, when God started to to convert my soul and help me to not hold grudges and not be so concerned about myself and how people treated me. You know, I was very wounded when I came to the Lord and, and he just kept showing me to let things go and let him handle them. And I can remember thinking there were times when, when people would say things to me and, and I would say to myself, I said, God, I don't even feel upset about this. I don't even feel, I don't feel even the least bit of anger about this. I said, I can feel you healing me. I know it's real. You understand what I'm saying? And if we will let the love of God do its work in us and not keep it pent up and, and crumpled and pushed into a corner. Amen. Just let the love of God flow and do what God ordained it to do in our lives. We'll have such, such, so much more peace, so much more encouragement. Everything that we do will prosper. Love causes your faith to work. Amen. We're always wanting to, you know, faith. I receive it now. I have it now. And, but you got to walk in love too. You got to do all of the things that God puts before you to do and, and let the past go. Let things go. Just, just let them go. Amen. That's yesterday. You don't live in a, a, a place where you insulate yourself from people. That's not what God wanted. Jesus had to go to some places where they tried to kill him several times. But the father said, go. He knew there were enemies there, but the father said, go. 
Amen. Love tells you to go even in enemy territory where people don't care about you. They don't love you and don't go in there with no attitude. Well, God's going to show them. He's going to show you something. Just be ready for it. Amen. He will show you something. Jeremiah 31, 3. God says, I have loved you with a love that don't quit. Amen. Everlasting love does not quit. You see people that, you know, want to indict their spouse now. They're quitters looking for an excuse to quit. They feel like they've done enough. Huh? Now it's time for them to do something. You you just keep living like that. See how far you get. Amen. It says love, it says here in Jeremiah 31, 3, the love, the Lord has appeared of all time saying, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. He draws with loving kindness. That should give us a hint and a clue. You don't draw somebody to you with fear, intimidation, side eye, amen, rolling your eyes, going telling a whole bunch of people what they did to you, amen. You draw people with loving kindness. Hmm. You know, some of these things, we have to wait for God to show us what he means by loving kindness. You know, a lot of times we want to jump the gun and, well, I did this and I did that and they still acted, you know, well, stop it and wait for God to tell you the right thing to do. Amen. You have to learn how to trust God in these things, folks. You know, some people, they're people pleasers. They get nervous when they think somebody doesn't care about them. That's all they're doing is thinking. And nothing could be further from the truth. Huh? I was somewhere. I didn't mean to say anything to this young man to offend him. Where was I? Oh, yeah, I was in that little five-minute take five place where they give you free oil, If you know, if your oil is low. and uh, All I wanted was my free oil and get out of there. And this little guy was up there directing me and, Showing me and, and I just went as far as I felt comfortable going. I ain't pushing. I'm not going to run him over. That door behind him is closed and I ain't going to fall in no hole on the floor either. My truck have to call somebody to get me out of there. So I just stopped and he said, you ain't paying no attention to me. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not thinking about you. <laughs> and I said it before I thought about it. I said, but you up to some antics and shenanigans here. You need to stick with your job. You know, that's what I said. What am I, what I'm paying attention to you for? I said, it looked like you had weren't motioning for me to come forward anymore. Well, I was, but I said, listen, what do you want me to do before I gun this motor and get out of here? <laughs> Take you with me. You understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I would lead him to the Lord first. Sorry. You understand what I'm saying? It's just people get crazy ideas out of nowhere. You know, I'm a customer. I don't know you. Amen. I'm trying to figure out if I stop, if I go forward, what do I do? You know? So, but it just shows you how people's minds are on them all the time. Just on them. 
The Bible says he keeps you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on trusting him. Amen. You trust God and, and let this other stuff go. Amen. So God requires that we keep his covenant of love just like he keeps covenant. He loves us with an everlasting love, a love that doesn't quit. We have to commit to love everybody else the same way. Amen. You love people with a love that doesn't quit. You allow God to show you how to love people, things to do for them, things to, you know, sometimes he'll tell you just to text somebody or send somebody a scripture or send them, you know, and how you doing, how so-and-so going, you know, I, I know you're, you're believing God for this, that, and the other, you know, and, and how's that going? You understand what I'm saying? When people ask you how they, how you are, they're not being nosy. They're not trying to get in your business because you don't have none. Not anything anybody really wants to get involved in. You pretty much got the same business everybody else has. You understand what I'm saying? Trying to pay bills, trying to make provisions, trying to be peaceful while you're doing it. All of the above. So you don't have no special business somebody trying to get into. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Amen. 1 John 4.18 tells us that there's no fear in love and that perfect love or mature love or the love of God chases fear away. You see how big it is. His enormous love, when it comes into your heart, removes all fear, makes the fear get off of you. Amen? So 1 John 4.18, I had to find it first. Verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is, love is of God. Everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not doesn't know God, because God's love. Real simple. Amen? And he says here in 4.18, he says, There is no fear in love. Let's see here. In 16, And we have known and believed the love of God, Believe the love that God has toward us. God is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. So we're not to shrink back from doing anything that God tells us to do. Amen. So when you have the love of God in you, that love makes you bold and confident and invincible. Amen. Many times people look oh, so and so arrogant. They think they just, you don't know that. You don't know where that person's coming from. They may live in a world with God that you know nothing about. When Noah came out every day and preached and told them it was going to rain. Amen. He was being bold, confident, but he was not arrogant. Amen. Cause he, as he preached, he saw nobody believed him. So he was merely mostly preaching to keep himself convinced of what God was going to do. Amen. Many times when we start speaking the word to people, it's to, to keep us solid in what God's doing. Amen. You ever hear them words bounce back on the inside of your head? You say, Oh, that sounds good. That must be for me. I'll take that. Amen. It's a two-edged sword. And he says, there is no fear in love, 
but mature love casts out fear. And he's talking about worldly fear because fear has torment. So if you have a tormenting fear in, in you, you need to get settled in the love of God. Just get you a scripture that convinces you that God has taken care of your problem, whatever it is, and that your answer is right there. Amen. You have to pursue God every day, every minute of every day in order to benefit from his love. Love is something we pursue. It's not something that you uh, take casually. Amen. You know, you you women who are waiting on somebody to call you, if they call you every now and then, you don't think they're serious about you. But if they're on the phone all the time, he's either a stalker, (laughs) a serial something. (laughs) No, but you know what I'm saying. People have to show consistent interest. That's the way God wants us to live with him, that we have to be interested in him consistently. Fear has torment. That's how you know when the devil's involved. When he keeps pressing you about something, it keeps needling you, and, and you can't get peace of mind. It won't go away. It won't leave you alone. That's the enemy. Amen? Perfect love casts that out. All you have to say is like, God, I'm giving this to you. You said for me to cast my cares on you because you care for me. Amen? I'm going to let you have that. And I'm going to let it go and not pick it up anymore. Amen. If you say that every five minutes, keep saying it every five minutes until you get it right. Because eventually you will let it go and let God have it. It says we love him because he first loved us. That's how God's able to demand that we love other people because the love is in us already. You don't have to ask him for love for somebody. I just ask God to put love in my heart for so-and-so. No, it's the wrong prayer, sweetie. If you waiting on that, you'll be waiting a little bit. Hmm? Be thankful nobody's asking God to put love in their heart for you. Because they know they have it in there already. They just need to release it towards you. No, I used to ask God, God, how can I... Let people know I love them. How can I win them over? It's a good prayer. It it, it lets you know you don't do everything right. <laughs> it lets you know somebody here is misunderstanding me. They don't understand that I love them. I'm not picking on them. When I encourage you to use your faith, I'm not picking on you. I'm helping you. You got too many devils is why you think people are picking on you. You listening to them too much. Nobody making your life miserable. Are you kidding me? Girl, I'm trying to go to heaven. <laughs> I'm not going to hell to pick on you. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'll work too many years going to heaven to start doing that stupid stuff. You know, people get a little irritated with you, but, you know, forgive them. You know, you keep going to the same person and tell them to believe God, he's got something for you and quit moping around and acting like that. Act like you on your way somewhere. Act like you got a God who loves you in your life. You'll get there a whole lot faster if you learn how to yield to God's love. So God requires that we keep the covenant of love. Why? Because we have his love in us. He is not going to let you be satisfied 
locking up his love inside of you and refusing to shed it out to people. He's going to keep bugging you about that because that ain't your love to keep locked up. It's his love for you to shed to other people. And the more you shed it out, the more you will be healed and the more you will be whole. Amen. Um, God requires we keep his covenant of love because he loved us first. So he can rightfully require that we love him and one another because he gave that love to us for that purpose. It's not in there for you. It's there for you and everybody else that he will tell you to demonstrate his love to. He's not taking from us, but he is allowing us to share in his life. So when he commands that we love one another as he loved us, he's allowing us to share in his life. That's the highest way to live is is the way of love. He is love and he wants us to experience that every day all the time. The The highest level of sonship is when we share the love of God with somebody. It is essential and necessary for us to love because otherwise we miss the purpose of the cross. The whole purpose of the cross was to show the love that God had to all of humanity. So the cross allows us to experience his love. This is the goal of the covenant that we enter into his love and we share his love and we love others. Love is proven in the sacrifice of his son. He gave his inheritance away and the object of his affection away so that we could enter into the covenant with him. Love never gives up on people. It never stops trusting. It never loses hope. And it never quits according to 1 Corinthians 13.7. So love keeps loving. Love keeps giving. Love keeps providing. Love keeps admonishing. Love keeps leading the way. Love keeps uh, um, attempting to make things better for people. Love never quits. Amen. It never quits. Be thankful for the love of God. Be thankful that he commands us to love one another and then leave up, up to us when we want to. But he, he puts that Holy Ghost pressure on us to reach out to one another, to be kind to one another, be understanding of one another and to be giving to one another. Amen. All right. So Father, we thank you for your enormous love that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It's not just limited to you and, and, and living in you and being a part of you, but it's in us too because we are the objects of your love. We are the recipients of your love. We are the ones who are custodians of your love in this earth. So we thank you for that, Lord. You loved us so much. You gave us your love. You gave us your son. You gave us your beloved. Your one and only. Your only begotten was given to us who are made so that we can be begotten as well. We could be adopted as sons and daughters. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. Oh, we bless you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, praise God. Does anybody need prayer? Come on up and I'll pray for you. And, and then I'll pray for the for our guests on the internet.